And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. Good to have you here this morning. You've already greeted one another, right? Look at somebody one more time and say, man, it is good to see you here today. Cool. Thanks for doing that. That's me stalling so I can get stuff ready to go here. Good job. Yeah, so uh, for the last few weeks, starting at the very beginning of this year, we've started a new series here at the church. Pastor Josh has been preaching, and today is my turn. Actually, Pastor Josh and Alicia, I forgot to mention this in the first service, um, but they are on their way to Jamaica for a week. Um, So, you know, picked a good week to get out of the cold and go ahead to Jamaica for a while. So anyway, that's where they're at this morning. In case you're missing them, I know you are. Um, so this series that we've been talking about this year is called, anybody remember? Vision 2020 20, yeah, or 2020 Vision, right? Um, and so we have been talking about some things that we could do this year to kind of sharpen our vision, sharpen our, our walk with God a little bit, sharpen our vision of who God is perhaps. And Pastor Josh these last few weeks has given us several challenges um, the first one was the challenge of having a daily Bible reading routine. How many of you have been, took one of those pages, one of those papers that we had, or you found an app on your phone or something, and you're doing a daily Bible reading? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's pretty cool. A um, few of you anyway. So the daily Bible reading is really good for us because it gets us every day into the Scriptures. The Word, the word of God is life for us. Yeah. The Scriptures can really change our lives. They can change Uh, So many things about our existence in this world and our perspective of things can really change our perspective. And so we want to be in the Word every day. And you know what? If you miss a day and you're going to, there's going to be days where you don't get a chance to get into your Bible that day and you're going to miss a a day of reading or something, don't despair. Don't beat yourself up. Just read the next day, right? Pick up. It doesn't mean like you have to double up the next day or if you miss three days, you've got to read four days worth now. Just keep reading. Just keep doing it because that daily deposit of the Word of God into our lives does make a difference. Um, And so that was the first challenge he gave us. The second one that he gave us was something very practical, joining together once a month. So 12 times this year, on the second Saturday of every month, we're going to have a gathering here on Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. called Our Father. And uh, Our Father is a Bible reading and prayer uh, time, a little bit of worship uh, that goes on during that, that service, but it's really just a time for us as a, as a congregation, as a body of people, to come together, um, to read the Bible together, to pray together, uh, maybe worship a little bit. Uh, it'll be different every month. We'll mix it up from time to time. And so the challenge has been, you know, to, to find that opportunity, that time to come together and pray together, read the Bible together, be together in that setting. And then the third challenge that he gave us was to keep running, um, we did this series back last fall, and we have a, um, uh, this idea of we will run. Um, we're not going to crawl through this life. We're not going to sit through this life. We're going to run through this life, right? Because run means we're making progress. We're moving forward. So never stop running. Never stop moving. Never stop making progress. Those have been the challenges that Pastor Josh has given us so far. And as we talk about this vision 2020, uh, 2020 vision means perfect vision, right? So I currently have perfect vision. Now I don't. My perfect vision is enhanced by these little spectacles that I wear that help me only if I want to read or see other things. Um, So the idea of of vision, 2020 vision, is clarity of sight. You know, I can see things a whole lot clearer with these on than I can with them off. It's just a weird thing. When I put them on, my eyes see better, right? So the, the idea of clarity of vision. 
In 2020, this year, as we start this year, it's our desire that we get some clarity of vision for our lives. We don't want to waste time just living our lives. We want to understand what is the mission, what's the purpose of my life, why am I, why am I here, what is my life about, what does God have for my life, what's the vision or the mission that God has for me going forward. And so we're getting a little bit of a clarity of vision going into 2020, but it's not yet perfect. You know, our vision, is, our, our vision for our lives is not yet perfect, and it probably won't be while we're on this earth. In fact, let me read a passage to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Check out this, this passage of Scripture. It says this, Our knowledge is incomplete, and our ability to speak what God has revealed is incomplete. So even though we may have knowledge today of who God is, we may have knowledge of the Word of God, it is incomplete knowledge, which means there's more for us to learn. There's more knowledge for us to be gained, right? Um, it says that we. It says in that passage that we speak. Um, what to speak? What God has revealed is incomplete. Our ability to speak what God has revealed to us is incomplete. God has revealed things to us certainly, but what He's revealed to us so far is not complete. It's not all there is for us to know. We can't speak of everything that we know just yet because we don't know everything. We speak of what God has already given us, but that is constantly changing. Check out this passage just a few verses later, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so this idea that we only see in part, we only know in part, our vision is not complete yet, is it? We don't see everything there is to see in who God is. We don't see everything there is to see on where our life should be going or how our lives should be progressing, but we are making progress. We only know what we know, true? We only see what we see. And we can only say what we know to be true or right from our current perspective and from our current understanding. Um, you know, I've been preaching for 38 years. Anybody who's been preaching that long, there are messages from the past that you would give anything to have not preached. You know what I'm saying? Because you preached what you thought was right at the time. You preached what you knew at the time. Or you say what you know is right at the time. But then you learn and you grow and you change and your perspective changes. Does that make sense to anybody? And that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, this vision for our lives individually and as a body is really a moving target. It's a changing landscape. You know, if you just sit somewhere outside, or even in here, you just sit somewhere, the landscape never changes. True? But if you're moving, what happens to the landscape? It changes constantly, right? The more you move, the more constantly the landscape is changing, unless you're going on I-80 across Nebraska. Then it's like the same mile over and over and over. But normally, the landscape changes. If you drive a certain direction far enough, eventually you'll see mountains. We don't have those around here. No. The landscape will change. You might see a forest. You might see an ocean, right? The landscape changes as we travel, and it's true in our lives as well. My point is this, that we all have a lot to learn. Yes? And vision is what moves us forward toward what we don't know yet. Vision causes the landscape to change. Vision causes what we see and what we understand to constantly change toward an ever-changing landscape, toward an ever-changing life. And so even though we don't know exactly what the future holds, there are some landmarks that will help us achieve everything that God wants us to have in the future. Are you interested in what those landmarks might be? 
One of them has already been talked about. They're the challenges we've already had. Daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading will change the, the landscape of your life. It will give you a different perspective of things. It will give you a different understanding of things. It will help you to see things that you always thought you knew in a different perspective, and you'll begin to learn that there's a whole lot more that we don't know than there is that we do know. And really, that's the definition of humility, knowing that there's more that we don't know than there is that we do know. And that's what keeps us moving forward. That's what keeps us reading every day. That's what fires that challenge of learning and growing and changing every day of our lives. Um, I want to provide you with another challenge today as we move through the month of January. In fact, I'm going to give you several challenges today if you're okay with that. Um, even if you're not, I'm still going to give you several challenges today. Um, and I want to talk to you today about the importance of stewardship. And I want to challenge you in this subject of stewardship. Now, some of you may be familiar with that term. Some of you may not. So let me define the term for you first of all. So stewardship is this. It's the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Um, and so to, to be really general about this, stewardship addresses how we use things that aren't ours, right? That somebody else actually owns them and we get to use them. Um, a steward then, look at this definition of a steward. This is the person. Stewardship is the verb. It's what you do. Steward is the noun. This is the person, the one who manages another's property, another's finances, or other affairs. So simply stated again, stewardship addresses how we use things that are not ours, but have been given to us to use. And Janice had mentioned this at the beginning of the service or when she was doing uh, the offering, that really everything that we have, including our very lives, are not ours. They've been loaned to us, they've been given to us, but they belong to someone else. And when we think about the importance of stewardship, something that we're responsible for, that we get to use and have a responsibility for using wisely, uh, it really covers every area of our life. Today I'm going to talk about three different areas. We could talk about 20 probably, but I didn't want to give you 20 challenges today. Pastor Josh said, hey, make sure that you give the congregation a challenge, and I said, I'll give them three. So I'm going to give you three challenges today. You ready for this? It's in the realm of stewardship. So there are three things that we have stewardship responsibility for that are extremely important. The first one is time. Second one is abilities. And the third one is possessions. So let's talk about time for a second. Time is one of those things like money that if you don't tell it where to go, you wonder where it went. Right? You either tell your time where to go or you wonder where it went. You either live with purpose, you use your time with purpose, or you sit back at the end of your life and say, what happened to my life, right? What have I done with all the time that I was given? Time is one of those things that never stops. It just keeps clicking away, and it's not ours. It's out of our control. Time is out of our control. We can't create time. We all get the same amount of time every day, true? We all get 24 hours every day. You get 24 hours, one hour at a time. You get one hour, one minute at a time. You get one minute, one second at a time. We all get exactly the same amount of time every day. You can't donate more to a poor person. You can't buy more if you're wealthy. You get what you get in time because it's not in our control. It's God's time. In fact, when we think about God controlling time and we don't, God exists in an eternal realm. We've heard that God is eternal, right? Uh, the idea of eternal literally means without time. So in God's existence, there is no time. He created time for the earth. 
put the sun, the moon, the stars for days and months and years so that we would have a way of measuring time while we're here. But to God, there is no time. He's eternal. No beginning, no end, no way of measuring time. And because for, for God, time doesn't exist, God can control time. I've got a couple of passages here, a couple of um, incidences in the Old Testament where God was able to manipulate or move time. And we find the first one in Joshua chapter 10. And let's just read this. On the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stands still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of uh, Ejalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of, of Jasher? The sun stopped in mid-heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Verse 14, there has not been a day like it before or since when the Lord heeded a human voice for the Lord fought for Israel. Think about this, what this passage is saying. The time stopped for what would be considered an entire day. Time did not move. Everything just stopped. Now, you know, some, to some people that may sound like a fairy tale. It may sound like something that could not have actually happened. But if we understand that God controls time, that it's his, that he created it, he can do anything he wants to with it. And so time stopped in that situation. In 2 Kings chapter 20, check this one, this one out. This is Hezekiah speaking with God. God just told Hezekiah, even though he's on his deathbed, he's going to live uh, some more years. And Hezekiah asked God, what is this confirming sign um, there that God is healing me and that in three days I'll walk into the temple of God on my own legs. And he says this, this will be your sign from God, that God is doing what he said he'd do. Do you want the shadow to advance 10 degrees on the sundial or do you want it to go back 10 degrees? You choose. Hezekiah said it would be easy to make the sun's shadow advance 10 degrees, but make it go back 10 degrees. So Isaiah called out in prayer to God, and the shadow went back 10 degrees on Ahaz's sundial. That's amazing. God made the time go backwards. How could he do that? Because it's his. God owns time. The time that we have, the time that God gives us to live is God's time. We might live for 120 years or 100 years or 90 years or 80 years. It's all God's time. He gives us an amount of time to live our lives. God's time is much greater than that. We live in this earth for a very short period of time. James talks about it this way. Your life is like a mist that appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. And that's the life that we've been given. We've been given a small amount of time. So the really important thing is what do we do with the time that we've been given? It's not ours. It belongs to God. He loaned it to us. Therefore, we have a stewardship responsibility. What do we do with our time? When we think of time, there's two different words that we find in the Greek in the New Testament that refer to this word time. One is chronos, or the passing of time. Chronos is how you measure life. You know, you measure life by the years that you've lived, right? And so every year when you celebrate your birthday, you're celebrating the fact that you haven't died yet. You're still alive. You have life. Um, you're celebrating the years that you've lived. You're celebrating this time that God has given us on earth. So there's the chronos, the passing of time. But there's also another word, which is kairos, which has to do with specific moments in time, unique moments in time. The day of your birth 
would be a kairos moment in your life, a moment in time when something significant happened in your life. You became a living being existing on this earth. You think about um, the moments in our lives. You know, we, uh, November of 1979 is a kairos moment in my life. That's the year that I came to Christ, turned my life over to him, and he delivered me from alcohol addiction and drug addiction and crazy stuff and put my life in a different path and called me to preach the gospel, which was crazy. I mean, if anybody would have told me a year before you're going to preach the gospel, I'd say, I don't know what you're on, but give me some of that because that must be good stuff. But I found out that God really did have a plan for my life. He was going to do this. It was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That was a Kairos moment in my life. A few years before that, in Ju on July 24th, 1976, uh, that's a Kairos moment in my life. And I remembered my anniversary. That's the year I married my lovely wife up here. And this year we will celebrate 44 years of marriage. That's crazy. So we all have these, we all have these Kairos moments in our life specific, unique moments in our life. But those Kairos moments work within the chronos, the time that God gives us. So what do we do with time? You know what we really do with time? We consume it. I've consumed 63 and a half years of time so far in my life, which is really kind of incredible. I look at this old man looking back at me in the mirror and like, where did he come from? How did, how did I get this old? Simple, I haven't died yet. Those are the two options. You know, if you don't die, you get old, right? So um, when you think about this passing of time, what do we do with time? We consume it. We either spend it. How many have ever spent time doing something? You know why we spend it? Because it's just like when you spend money, you only have a certain amount. And when you give up some of that time, you're spending that time. Sometimes we waste time. Anybody here ever wasted time? Don't admit it. We kill time. Yeah. Um, we bide our time. We're just waiting for something to happen. We invest time. These are some of the things that we can do with our time. We live our lives, and time is the vehicle that moves our lives forward. If we're going to see a changing landscape, it's going to happen over time. Reading the Bible every day, does that take time? Yes. Sure it does. It takes a certain amount of time every day. And if you do that every day for a few months, do you begin to see an investment or a return on that investment of time? And if you continue to do it for a year, do you see a return on the investment of time? The idea to read the Bible through this year is something we're kind of working on together as a congregation, right? Reading through the Bible. And there were some little papers given out that you could use to do that. Or if you have the Bible app, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, that does a daily reading for you that will get you through the Bible in a year. It takes time to do these things, but it's stewardship of our time. What are we doing with our time? We don't own it. We're borrowing it from God. And so we get to decide how we utilize the time that we've been given. So talking about this time, again, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's coming to our Father, whether it's focusing our attention in prayer on God and running, moving forward, here's the challenge I want to give to you. This is sign-up month for community groups. And so what if we invested some time in community groups? What if we took some time every week to kind of get away from the normal um, process of our day or our life and get with a group of people in a home and pray together and read scriptures together and talk about the sermon together and talk about what has been being preached and what's, what's been talked about in the services. And of course, when you get people together, you've got to eat together, right? So having food together, having fellowship together, hanging out, talking, 
would that kind of a use of our time, would it yield any benefits for us? Would it do anything in our lives? And I think the answer is yes. How many of you that have ever been a part of a community group are glad you were part of a community group? There you go. So we're still part of community groups. We're still getting signed up. This is sign-up month. There's a sign-up sheet right now out in the foyer. So here's my first challenge for you. Let's invest some time in our walk with God and our, our walk with one another, our relationship with one another, by engaging ourselves in community groups this time through. I would like to see, I, I would like to see the vast majority of the people in our church part of a community group because that's where, that's where things really can take root in our lives or you get the iron sharpening iron and you're hearing other people's ideas and opinions and sharing and praying together and all those kind of things. It's very important. When we start doing these things, our vision begins to gain more and more clarity. Second thing I talked about having stewardship of is our abilities. We all have abilities. True? We all have certain abilities. And here's the thing. No matter what your ability is or how long you worked at honing that ability or that talent, the ability itself comes from God, and it's his. Somebody say, well, I worked really hard you know, to be able to do what I do to have the abilities that I have. And I get that. I have too. But you know what? Who gave us the ability to work hard to hone that ability? God did, right? He gave us this ability to live and to work on these things. He's the one that drops the seed of that ability in our life. And when we use it, it begins to develop and grow. That's true. To use our talents, our abilities, our interests to serve other people and to help advance the kingdom of God. That's an investment of our abilities in the kingdom of God. One way we can do this is by serving in the church, serving in our community, finding ways to reach out beyond ourselves and to serve others. When we serve, we are investing time by using our abilities to create a more effective place of worship. That's what happens in here every Sunday morning. I can't even tell you anymore the number of people that it takes in every service serving just so we can do what we do in here just so that we can have a service, ministering to the children, the sound booth people, the worship team, all of the people who serve from the parking lot, the greeters, the connect team members, all the people that serve in here serve because this is what allows us to have the service that we have here today. We can do this at church. We can serve at church. We can serve outside of the church setting. We can serve in our communities. There's a lot of needs in the community around us, and God has given us the ability to meet those needs. One of the things I've been doing for, um, it's been, it'll be 30 years, the end of this year. I started in 1990, going once a week to community and family resources and doing a one-hour um, session, I guess we'll say, with people who are going through drug and alcohol addiction and helping them see things differently. You know what? I don't claim to have any ability in that area, but I'm taking a little bit of time every week and investing that in other people's lives and sharing with them the limited ability that I have in that area, and I've seen it change people's lives. I've seen lives be transformed because of that. And many of you are doing similar things to that in nursing homes and in places around the city and just taking the ability that we have and being good stewards of it and investing it in other people, 
investing it in the world around us and making a difference. You know, the church is not here to hold up a banner and say, this is what righteousness is. That's part of what we do. And we want to have a walk with God that's right. But you know what? Again, that's a moving target, isn't it? And that's going to be changing and developing. But the real mission of the church is to take that truth and to reach out to the world around us and make a difference in as many lives as we possibly can. That's really why we're here, to care for people, to see people's lives change. That's why we have services here. We don't do this to entertain. We don't do this because we have nothing else to do on Sunday morning. Every one of us could be someplace else today. We do this because we want to take what God's doing in our lives and use it to invest in the lives of others. The third thing, so the second challenge, let me give you the second challenge. First one is to invest your time in a community group or some other way. The second one is to invest your abilities. Will that take time? Of course it will. Invest your abilities. Take what God has given you and use it to enhance the kingdom. You know, some of us are already doing some of these things, but sometimes when you do stuff for a while, you forget why you're doing it. But to invest in the kingdom, to make a difference in the kingdom because we're using what God has given us. The third thing we're going to talk about is possessions. The stewardship of our possessions is to use what we have, all of our possessions, in a way that's consistent with how the Bible would want us to use these things. So the stuff that we have is not really ours. You know how I know that? Uh, I've, got, I've got a home. I've got vehicles. I've got stuff in my house. I've got, I've got things. I've got stuff. Um, if I were to die right now, that stuff wouldn't be mine anymore. True? So it's not really mine. I have, a, I have time. I have abilities. And I have some possessions. None of them are mine. We've already seen that time belongs to God. If it wasn't for God giving us the ability, we wouldn't have abilities. And everything that we possess right now is really God's. It's really his. He's let us use it for a period of time while we're here. Um, we need things. True? How many of you need things? How many of you, need, how many of you are really glad you had a vehicle to come to church in today? We were talking earlier about back in the old days when they'd come in horse and buggies, right? How many of you are glad you didn't have to ride a horse and buggy to church today? No heaters in those things. And yet people went out and went to church anyway. They went and did stuff when it was cold like this. But you know, when you think about it, we need things. But we have to keep the things in perspective. I hear people talking, you know, I've probably been guilty of this in the past myself, talking about how we love certain things. But here's the problem. Love should be reserved for those that can love you back. Love God, that's our mission statement, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our mission statement is love God, love others, and impact our world. Loving God and loving others because God and others are capable of loving us back. We don't want to love our possessions. You know why? Because your possessions can't love you. I heard people say, I love my truck. Well, someday that truck's going to end up in a junkyard all rusted out. So you're wasting your love on something that is incapable of loving you back. Some people love money. There's a problem with that. Let me show you the problem with that. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Check this out. Certainly the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I hear this misquoted all the time. I hear people say all the time, what do they say? Money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is not good or bad. Money is inanimate. It's not possible for money to be good or bad. Money is good or bad depending on what we humans do with it as stewards. True? But what is bad? 
The love of money. Why? Because money can't love us back. Money is incapable of accepting or giving love. You know, there's an old saying that has been used forever that money talks, which really means if you have enough money, you can get just about anything or do just about anything. But this idea that money talks, if money really could talk, you know what it would say? That's right. It would say, don't love me. Money would say, don't love me. Why not? Because I'm not capable of loving you back. That's how money, that's what money sounds like when it talks. Don't love me. I'm not capable of loving you back. Money, loving money is a waste of love. Loving people and loving God is an investment of love. So this possession that we have of money. So let's go back to that. Certainly the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having money. We need money. We need stuff, right? It's wrong when the money has us. It's wrong. What it says in this verse is people who have set their hearts on getting rich. If we set our hearts on anything other than God, we are setting ourselves up for failure. If we set our hearts on God, a desire to know him, a desire to see the landscape of our lives change, then we have money in the proper perspective and we can use that money correctly keeping finances and all of our possessions for that matter as our possessions, not our masters. You know what? Money makes a great servant and a horrible master. When money masters someone, they will throw out convictions. They'll do things that they normally would not have done because they have been mastered by the desire to have money. The idea of giving, paying tithes, investing in the kingdom of God. We find this in Malachi chapter 3. I just got a couple verses left for you this morning. Malachi chapter 3 says this in verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me, excuse me, thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Listen, the idea of giving is not about the church needing money or the kingdom of God, certainly not God needing money. So what is the point of it? The point of it is to, to give honor to God knowing that he's already given us everything that we have. Everything that we possess today has come from the hand of God. And if we pay that tithe, if we give that 10% back to God, it's really just acknowledging, I know this came from God. Actually, it's all his, right? And we're just giving back a portion of what he's given us so that we can invest in the kingdom of God and what God is doing throughout the world. We're talking about this this morning. When you give to this church, if you pay your tithes or give to this church, we don't just use it to maintain what we're doing here. We're sending a portion of this all over the world. We're supporting 25 missionaries all over the world. People are drinking clean water. They're getting an education. They're getting clothing. They're getting medical care. Because you give to this church, we support these ministries all over the world. Not just small amounts. I think last year we invested over $100,000 into world missions because we want to make a difference in people's lives. In the years that we've been here, this church has invested well over $2 million, probably close to 2 dollars or maybe even over $2.5 million by now into world missions because we believe that when people give to the kingdom of God, it ought to advance the kingdom of God. And so there are people's lives who have changed all over the world because you have been faithful to give because you're a good steward of what God's given you. So I'm challenging you in this stewardship to the, the stewardship of your time, the stewardship of your, your abilities, your talents, the stewardship of your treasures or your finances, your possessions. Because when we understand that this isn't ours, we're free to use it the way God wants us to use it. 
We think about that as an Old Testament tithe principle, that idea of tithing. But let me show you something Jesus says. This might surprise you. In Luke chapter 11, look what Jesus says here. Um, that is, that's it, good. All right, this part of it. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest. I saw the first part of it. Um, but let's just start with the second, second line. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. And then Jesus said this, you should tithe, yes but do not neglect the more important things. What did Jesus just say? You should tithe, right? But don't make that an excuse for not doing the more important things like justice and loving God and loving your neighbor and doing the right thing. So along with the challenges that we've already had during this series, challenge of reading the Bible, the challenge of attending our Father, the challenge of running the race. I'll give you three more challenges today. The challenge of the wise stewardship, the thoughtful stewardship of your time, the thoughtful stewardship of your possessions, and the thoughtful stewardship of your abilities. And when we use these things that God has given us the way he intends us to use them, not only do we honor him, but they are used in a way that they could never have been used if we were just wasting them. We begin to invest them in the kingdom and lives begin to change. I'd like to have for more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.